here. If you have a Bible, John chapter 3 is where we'll be. Um, we'll start in verse 11 uh, and see. Um, I'll, again, I'll do my best to try to help you and understand what, uh, what is going on. By the way, I don't know if you've caught this sentence. We've said it. Pastor Jordan and Nick have said it in the weeks leading up to this. Evidence. Um, evidence you are a child of God ought to be evident. Have you, have you caught that sentence yet before? It's a really good sentence. You haven't written it down. It's worth writing it down. Evidence that you are a child of God ought to be evident. And what's that evidence? John says over and over again, it's love. What's the evidence that you can know that you are a child of God, that you have close friendship? It's love. That's the context. That's where we're jumping into. John chapter, 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 says this. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Should not, we shouldn't be like Cain, who's of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever doesn't love abides in death. And everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. We're gonna break this down into a couple different chunks. And I think the first, um, first message, it's so simple today. If you're, if you're looking for a, if you still have a little bit of a Thanksgiving coma, um, it's so simple this morning. John says, first, love one another. It's so simple, isn't it? Like you've heard that. In verse 11 through 15, this is the first chunk we'll look at. He says, love one another. And I actually think the first, uh, the first little phrase that he says is actually so interesting. It caught my attention um, as I was preparing. It says, he says, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning. And I don't know if you've read First John in a little bit or if you've been with us the past Sundays, but um, we've heard that phrase before, haven't we? Maybe... Maybe let me give you a refresher. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, see if this sounds familiar to you. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. That sounds familiar for what he's saying. And again, he says it again in chapter 2, in verse 7. He says, Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. And so, pro tip, anytime you're reading the Bible and something is repeated, the author repeats something, that's because he's trying to get your attention and it means something. And so, so far in three chapters, John has said basically the same thing, use the same words, use the same phrase, and we should be asking why. Why did he do that? 
Why did he say the same thing? Why is he using what we've heard from the very beginning, that which is old, to validate or set us up for what he wants to tell us now? Why is he doing it this way? And I think he understood something that I think you and I understand too. It's It's that what is old, what is old so often establishes what is new. What is old so often establishes what is new. Maybe you've, maybe you've heard um, the, it's kind of a popular Bible verse, Ecclesiastes 1, 9 says, there's nothing new under the sun. Have you, have you heard this before? There's nothing new under the sun. Every idea has its beginnings and has its foundation in what you and I have heard and have seen and have experienced before in our Lives. There's nothing new. Anything that you and I have created, any new business venture or every, any new idea that any new project that you and I have come up with has its beginnings in the past. What we heard or have seen in the past has helped shape what we are creating now. And I was introduced to this idea actually in seminary. There's this um, professor, Dr. Wong Loy Singh. Imagine having that name. He was from the Dutch islands, I think, if I remember right. But he introduced me to this idea of being a good curator. And we use this in our creative arts department, is that instead, instead of always feeling like we need to create something new and do something new, let's instead be good curators. Maybe you've heard museum curator, maybe you've heard that term before. All that that means is there's a whole host of things that we have access to in a museum. There's a whole host of things that they could put in the museum. The museum curator decides what to put in the museum and what not to put in the museum. And in the same way, we can decide what we fill our, our minds and our eyes with and what we don't. Because there's a whole host of things you and I can, can, can put inside of our minds. The internet is filled with good and bad, of course, but the internet is filled with information that can help you make a decision now. And as you and I, hopefully, are good collectors of helpful Information. As you read books, if you do that, or listen to books in the car, or listen to podcasts, as you and I collect information, we curate, we decide what is important and what is not. I think what John is doing here is he is saying, hey, there is an old way of doing things. There is something you have heard from the very very beginning, and you need to know that that thing is still what you need today. This message that you have heard from the very beginning, and it's so easy to just discount this, right? Isn't it so easy to say, well, okay, so I've heard this. Yes, love one another, love God. I mean, can't we move on from that? And John says, this message that you have heard from the beginning is still the message you and I need. This old message that you've heard, if you've been in church any number of years, a hundred thousand times, love one another, is still a message you and I need today, this morning, right now. John says, this message that you heard from the beginning, here it is again. Love one another. He says, love one another. Imagine that uh, I have a wife, her name's Cassie, and uh, imagine if... uh, I just decided, you know what, dear, um, uh, 
you said I love you um, at our wedding day, and that's enough. I don't need to hear it anymore. Um, and you, like, I believe you. You said it once. I believe that you love me. Um, so, uh, yeah, don't, uh, let's just, let's use our breath for different things. Let's use our breath and thoughts for different, let's, let, let, let's, let's find something else to say to each other rather than I love you. And I don't know about you, but in a season where, like, it seems like Hallmark tries to pull on your emotional strings and you feel all, like, warm and cozy inside, I feel, this is, this is, this might be too much information, so sorry, but I feel, um, I feel all warm and cozy inside when I hear that from Cassie, I love you. I mean, if you, if you, if you have a spouse, maybe you know what I'm talking about. But the same principle and the same message applies here. John's saying, hey, you've heard this before, but let's not just leave that over here and move on to something else. No, let's look back at what you know and let's bring it to the present because you need this in the present. Love one another. And then he says something interesting in verse 12 um, that um, can be a little uh, confusing. He says, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do you want to know what it looks like to not love somebody? Do you want to know what loving one another isn't? It's like Cain and Abel. Do you remember that story from Genesis 4? Cain and Abel, they were Adam and Eve's kids. Side note, um, if you had a crazy Thanksgiving and your kids were not behaving like you wanted them to behave, the very first parents in history had some kid problems too. Um, and so you're in good company. Be, be encouraged that this is just, uh, this is the world we live in, right? Um, and uh, like I heard my son scream way too much. It was crazy. But uh, this is encouraging. Uh, at least maybe it, I don't know that it was meant to, but it's encouraging for me that, to hear we shouldn't be like Cain, who was evil and murdered his brother. We shouldn't be like him. And as you love one another, as Christ has loved you, the world, don't be surprised that the world hates you. And I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if where that lands for you. The world hates you. For me, as a recovering people pleaser, like, that bothers me. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. I don't want anybody to hate me. I mean, I don't. I still don't. Uh, I've grown a little bit, uh, and I'm a little bit more confident maybe now, but I still don't want, and, and, and if you're like me, I'm, I ask the question, well, I know the Great Commission, and I know I'm supposed to go and share the gospel, so how am I supposed to share the gospel and tell others of the love of Jesus if they hate me? How am I supposed to do that? Because typically from my experience, people who hate me won't listen to me. What am I supposed to, how do these marry? And there's tension there, isn't there? Don't be surprised that the world hates you. And I don't have time to unpack this all, but let me say this. The world shouldn't hate us because we're obnoxious or too loud or pushy. And it shouldn't hate us because we're bigots, rude, judgmental, standoffish people who maybe gather in a building once or twice a week. That shouldn't be why they hate us. That shouldn't be our identity, and that shouldn't characterize us. If the world hates us, let, us hate, let it hate us because we gently 
firmly stand up for the truth and for what is right. And the truth isn't our preferences or isn't our opinions. The truth is what is clearly laid out in the Holy Scriptures. What is clear, that's the truth. And as we gently and firmly stand up, stand up for what is right, if the world hates us, then let it hate us. Let it hate us because of our surprising, radical love for the ones we know and for the ones we don't know. Then he says something interesting in verse 14 and 15. He does one of those heart checks. He says, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever doesn't love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. He takes that from the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe you remember that. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And so time to just do a spiritual checkup on yourself. Not on anybody else. Not on your spouse. On you. And so if you wouldn't mind just looking, you, can, you don't need to look at me, but look straight up here. You don't need to look at anybody else. You can look at the cross if you want, but ask yourself, do you love the brothers and sisters around you? Do you love the people that are called, that call themselves Christians, that are Christians? Do you love them? How do you speak about them when you get in the car on your way home? How do, you, how do you speak about them when you're in a disagreement with them? Or if and when they hurt you? How do you love the brothers? And that's not meant for anybody else. That's meant for you and me. How do we love the brothers and sisters around us? He says, love one another. That's the commandment. That's what you've had from the beginning and that's what you and I still need today. And then 16, my second, my second point, and I hope it's simple, this is how. How do you love one another? This, this is how, right here. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Have you ever seen Saving Private Ryan? Probably like top 10 favorite movies of all time. Um, Uh, And if you haven't seen it, I'm about to ruin it for you. So, um, and and if you haven't seen it, like, what's what's the deal? I mean, it's been out for a while. Let's let's get on this. Um, Saving Private Ryan is an interesting story because Tom Hanks and his band of I forget it's six to eight soldiers are sent on a mission to go and find uh, Private James Ryan, and they they're sent on this mission through the horrors and terrors of World War II Germany to find him and bring him home because his brothers have been killed in battle and, and uh, the colonel, the general, wants to, to give Private James Ryan back to his mom so that his mom doesn't lose all of her sons. And they're sent on this mission and throughout the course of the movie, this is where it ruins it, so sorry, but um, all of them die, <laughs> um, which is so sad, right? Like, all of them die. They end up completing their mission. Private James Ryan ends up going home and going, goes back to mom. And there's this really sentimental ending. But I think this is an accurate picture of the kind of love Grandpa John is calling us to. He says, here's the bar. Here's the example that he laid down his life for us. And so we ought to do the same. Because love is costly. The love of, the love 
Grandpa John is talking about is not some ho-hum, this is easy and comfortable kind of love. The love that Grandpa John is talking about is surprising and radical and costly. That's the love that we ought to have for one another and even for the people outside these walls. That's the love. And you can't just sit here We can't just sit here, John says, and see people who are in need. This is what he says. Anyone who has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or deed or talk, but in deed and truth. And we can't just sit here and see a dying world and say, oh, well, that's good. That's bad for them. Too bad. Like, just going to stay here. The love of God is not immobile, and neither should our love be. The love of God never stays put, never sees hurt and pain and suffering and need and says, you know what, I'm just going to stay here. No, the love of God is mobile and it moves toward them. Isn't that the message of Christmas? It moves toward the hurting and the broken and the downtrodden and the sinner and it moves toward them and so should our, so should our love. And on this, I honestly don't have any exhortation or challenge to us. If I were to, if Grandpa John saw Pontiac Bible Church, I think what he would say is encouragement. I think he would look at us and he would say, okay, you guys are loving one another in this way. Because there's all kinds of people in this church who are sacrificing not only finances, but time and energy and talents for the glory and kingdom of God. There's all kinds of people. We have a Grace Fund box right out, right out here that's for us to be able to help those around us. And there's people every time we, every time we observe communion and offer the Grace Fund, there's people who give out of their abundance to help others, to love one another. We've given so many coats in the coat drive, so many different things. We've given, this church is good. If I can just encourage you, this church is good at loving one another. But I think what Grandpa John would say to you and to me is that, yes, we're good at loving one another, but to not stay put and to not simply maintain. I don't know if you've ever um, had a, a... had a house that needed, if you ever bought a house that needed a little bit of renovation, needed fixing up. We bought a house a couple years ago on Martha Drive and the yard was like crazy. This guy um, had grapevines in the yard in Illinois and um, he had these like massive apple trees that were, that were just the worst. If you have apple trees, I'm sorry for you because the, all the apples were rotting on our apple tree. And I don't know enough about apple trees to even think about fixing it. Um, so every, for I think there was a couple of years, I had to like scoop up in shovels all the dead, gross, decaying, brown, rotting apples and then put them in garbage cans, try to get rid of them somehow. But all of the bushes were overgrown. The garden boxes were filled with weeds and there was so much that needed to be done. And I started just doing what I knew how to do. I knew how to mow and I knew how to use Nedger. And so I just started doing that. And over time, like we, we have the best neighbor in the world that took out our apple trees for us and it was great. And we've made 
progress, but I'm so tempted so often to stop at what I already know how to do. To stop at, let's just mow and edge when I need to and for that to be enough. Even though there's more that can be done to make the yard how I want it to be, it's so easy for me and maybe it's so easy for us to just stop at what we know even though it's good, it's good enough, it looks pretty good, and instead to press on and move forward with how we love one another. And I think Grandpa John would say, yes, you're good at loving one another, but keep moving your love out. Keep moving your love out. And, and, the, final, and the final thing where we'll, uh, where we'll land, um, where we'll land in, in here um, is I don't think we can talk about the love of God without um, being reminded of the love of God. So if you want to write these down, you can. I, th- I think these are so true and these have been so helpful for me as I've, as I've looked at the love of God and what that means for me. Hear these, hear these this morning. We'll go through these quick and then we need to be done. The love of God has never been stuck hear that this morning. The love of God has never been stuck. It's never been so caught up in the mire and mess of your broken heart or this fractured world that it has been stuck and immobilized. Never. Not once. The love of God has never been too busy to help. God's never been so preoccupied with something more important or someone else that he's forgotten you. That's not the love of God. The love of God has never been distracted. Not once. It's focused. And it's heading your way. And the love of God has never been unmotivated to move. It's never been, he's never been stuck on the couch, indifferent, tired, exhausted. He's never been unmotivated to move. That's the love of God. And that's how our love should look. And time to finish up. Verse 19. And of course, we know it's time to finish up, right? We have the spiritual music happening right now. Okay, here we go. Um, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. This is verse 20. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we love, we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit whom he has given us. And I think the best way to help you and I understand is using Tupperware. Um, that was supposed to be a little funny, but okay. Um, so uh, I saw this. I saw a pastor from Washington, D.C. use this, and it just made a whole lot of sense to me. Um, and so I hope um, this is helpful for you in understanding what this is saying. The scriptures are, scriptures are clear. Um, maybe you know Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but do you know the last part of it? But Christ lives in me. Do you know this verse? 
And so I think when we're trying to understand who we are, and I think that's the point of this last passage, is trying to understand, for you to understand who you are, I think this is helpful. The scriptures say that Christ, we're going to, by the way, totally apologize for my handwriting. Just listen, don't read. Um, Christ, Christ lives in, that's you and me. Accurate, isn't it? Um, Christ lives in you and me. But throughout the Bible, Paul also uses this description of Christians. And he says, he says over and over and over again that not only does Christ live in us, but we are in, do you know this? We are in Christ, right? So we, just see this for a second, we are in Christ. But the Bible actually goes a step further, and the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, you can go look this up, the Bible says that we have been hidden with Christ in God. We have been hidden with Christ in God. And this is where If you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is where you and I sit, stand, and abide this morning. And when the enemy tries to come at you and to condemn you and to fill your head with thoughts of worry or anxiety or stress or thoughts of you're no good and you're not not worth a thing, to remember where you are. Because the last time, in order for the enemy to get to you, he has to go through God. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure that my God is greater than the enemy. But just, 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 just indulge me for a second. Say somehow he got past God. Then he would have to deal with Christ. And the last time the enemy and Christ went toe to toe, Jesus won in overwhelming victory. And he still wins in overwhelming victory. And say he gets past those and gets to you, he still has to deal with Christ in you. And so, what you need to understand this morning is that you are secure and that your confidence. Even when your heart condemns you, your confidence to stay and abide by loving God and loving others, your ability to stay put, to remember the message you had from the beginning is to know who you are. And this is where you stand. And this is where you stay. And as you stay, John says that whatever you ask, you will receive.